0: My name's Pastor Carlo. Uh, If you are brand new with us and you don't know me, I'm the assistant pastor here. Our lead pastor, Pastor Chad, is up north. Uh, Is he still up north? He's not driving yet, right? Like, it still goes for one more night. He's up north at Chesley Lake for the men's retreat. And get how cool our pastor is, okay? He is actually the head of the men's ministry for all of Western Ontario District and the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Like, that's like, he's like, He's like pretty important, I think. It's pretty awesome, eh? (laughs) So as he's away, just remember him in your prayers as he continues to lead and to minister this weekend um, in some pretty awesome ways and just for safe travels home. This morning, I want to talk about a subject that, um, to be honest, including myself, we haven't done as well in our church circles talking about. So this morning, I want to talk about living emotionally healthy, living emotionally healthy. And... um, I believe this is such an important and crucial conversation for us to have this morning, um, but before we even get into that, I want you to check out this video. I think it's gonna make you laugh, so go ahead and see the screen.
1: Hello, my name is Debbie. Um, this is my first attempt, oops, um, at a eHarmony video. Um, this is my first time at online dating. So, I'm nervous, but I'm excited at the same time. Um, So, I'm just going to start talking about what I like and hope I get some replies. Um, So, I am a recent um, MBA grad from Villanova. Um, I love cats. Um, I just... Sorry, I'm getting emotional. I love cats. Um, I love every kind of cat. Sorry. I just... I really love cats. And I just want to hug all of them, but I can't because that's crazy. I can't hug every cat. <laughs> but I just want to. I want to. I want to. Um, I'm sorry. I just... I get anytime I hear cat, I just, I love cats, um, ooh, promised myself I wouldn't cry, um, so anyway, I am a cat lover, um, and I love to run, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about cats again, I just, I think about how many don't have a home and how I should have them and how cute they are.
0: Was an awesome video i remember when that video uh was put on the internet i don't know if it was for real or if it was just to get some youtube clicks or something like that but i remember when i was younger about 10 years ago seeing that for the very first time just like you guys this morning and like Okay. <laughs> wow. That was a little excessive. You are a little extra. Okay. You, you got to kind of maybe get a grip on, on your emotions there. And I, I love that as I watch this video again and thinking about just a fun introduction for this conversation this morning, I love that the stigma around emotions and mental health and how we actually talk about these things is beginning to change. I'm only 25 years old. But in my lifespan, I've actually, I can, I can remember back to the moments where where only a few years ago, things like We Day or Bell Let's Talk or Suicide Prevention Day or, or these different, different awarenesses that we have actually made room on our yearly calendar for in North America to talk about these kinds of things. So 10 years ago, I might have been like laughing like, okay, this, this lady is a little different, a little crazy. And now we're saying, you know what? Actually, in the 10 years since I've seen that video, I've had a lot of similar reactions in my life. It hasn't been about cats, necessarily. Um, I just got a dog, so I, I, sometimes I look like that. When it's like, my dog is just so cute. Like, man, he just like, and he's like with his paws like this. But, but there's been some serious moments in my life where it, it, it's, it's, I've had a reaction and emo- an emotional response that actually feels out of control. And it it begins to dictate my life and, and how I feel starts to turn into what I think was who I am. I've had these emotional responses and maybe you have had those kinds of things too. So this morning, I think it's actually really important to open up this conversation of how to live an emotionally healthy life and talk about mental health and mental illness. Because let's be honest, in our church world and our church circles, and when I say that, I don't necessarily mean specifically Bethel, but the church of of Stratford, of of Canada, of North America, this is just a conversation that's really hard to have because we don't know what to say. We don't know what to talk about. So this morning, I am in no way an expert I'm just the assistant pastor, hangs out with some high school kids. I love it. I'm no expert, but what I, but what I feel like is that we need to open up the conversation. So this is my, this is my uh, try at having to have a real authentic conversation about, about emotion and mental health. I want to give you some stats from a study of the Canadian Mental Health Association that talks about mental health in Canada specifically. Okay, so who's affected by mental health? Mental illness indirectly affects all Canadians at some point through a family member, friend, or colleague. In any given year, one in five people in Canada will personally experience a mental health problem or illness. Mental illnesses affects people of all ages, education, income levels, and cultures. Approximately 8% of adults will experience major depression at some time in their life. So who does mental mental illness affect everybody we're all in the category we're all on the boat it's not just the crazy cat lady on youtube like mental health is actually a part of everybody's life directly or indirectly so how common is it some of these stats are they're 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 pretty like scary to be honest like they're they're going to wow you how common is mental health by age 40 50% half of the population will have or have had a mental illness anxiety disorders affect 5% of the household Population. Suicide accounts for 24% of all deaths among fifteen to twenty-four year olds and sixteen percent among twenty-five to forty-four year olds. Suicide is the one is one of the leading causes of death in both men and women from adolescent to middle age. The morality rate due to suicide among men is four times higher than the rate among women. Four times in our country. Crazy. What causes this? These are just a couple dot shots, so there's way more to it, remember. But it's a complex interplay of genetic, biological, personality, environmental factors that causes mental illness. Almost one half, 49% in this study, show that those who feel like they have suffered from depression or anxiety have never gone to see a doctor about this problem. The conversation has not existed for 50% of the people that are going through these kinds of things and emotions. Stigma or discrimination attached to mental illness presents a serious barrier, not only to the diagnosis and treatment, but also to acceptance in community. We talked about suicide and and how high the rate is for a 15-year-old. So here are some stats on how mental illness actually impacts youth specifically. It's estimated that 10 to 20% of Canadian youth are affected by a mental illness or disorder, the single most disabling group of disorders worldwide. Today, approximately 5% of male youth and 12% of female youth ages 12 to 19 have experienced a major depressive episode. The total number of 12 to 19-year-olds in Canada at risk for developing depression, get this, is a staggering 3.2 million. Mental illness is increasingly threatening the lives of children with Canada's youth suicide rate the third highest in the industrialized world. Our amazing country, which it is, ranks number three as the highest suicide rate for, for teenagers. Suicide is among the leading causes of death in 15 to 24 year, olds, uh, 24 year olds in Canada, second only to accidents. 4,000 people die prematurely by suicide. Surpassed only by injuries, mental disorders in youth are ranked as the second highest hospital care expenditure in Canada. And in Canada, only one out of five children who need mental health services actually receives them. Sharing some pretty intense stats this morning. And I just want to reiterate that I am not a doctor. I'm not a professional. I'm just the assistant pastor here. So there's so much more for me to understand and to know. So this morning, I am not up here on stage talking as if I am an expert among mental health. And talking about uh, uh, emotions and how to deal with them and process them. But I believe that God cares about these stats. In fact, a lot more than we do. Like, we might be, like, wowed by them and feel really bad about them. But God cares even more than us collectively. So I think that he has something to say about mental health and about, about the issues of emotions and the, and the different things that we go through. And I'm not going to try and, and, and say, like, this is the only way. Like, if you just follow my three points this morning, you'll be good when the, by the time the service is over. In no way am I trying to convince you that if you just follow the simple three-step plan, that everything will feel okay and you'll be better. That's not what I'm trying to do this morning. What I want to do is begin the conversation in our church. Begin the conversation in our church in Canada that much more to be open and talk about these things and learn how to process these things with one another because it's so important. So we're going to look at a few practices on how to live emotionally healthy from a view of faith. Um, But... Ecclesiastes 3 says this: There is a time for everything. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, there's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break, heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Scripture tells us that even if we live a life of faith with God, we are going to go through all different kinds of seasons. Like, just because we have become Christians, it doesn't mean that, you know, we get to skip out on all the hard stuff. But actually what it means is God is going to make you aware that life is actually might even be more difficult now that you're trying to follow Him. You're going to go through these different kinds of seasons. And I think for us to understand how to live emotionally healthy, we need to try and go back to the beginning and, and find out where emotions rose from. Where did they even come from? The positive and the negative. And from a scripture's point of view, we can actually go all the way back to Genesis. In chapter 2, 21 to 25 says this, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed it up They were not ashamed. We can learn from the beginning of time when when God created humanity, man and woman, Adam and Eve, us, that we were born and created with emotion to feel. But the first one that's noted here is the opposite of ashamed, with confidence. They were confident in who they were. They were confident in the way that God created them. They were not ashamed. It was actually never God's intent and plan for us to go through emotions like depression or anxiety or fear or shame. God is not the creator of those kinds of things. So where do those kinds of things come from? Only a chapter later, we can see. Genesis 3. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I've commanded you not to eat? Then the man said, the woman whom that was the first mistake of men to just blame it on his wife. Let's just, men in the room, married, married men in the room, let's take an example from Adam of what not to do. Have you eaten from the tree which I have not, I've commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who gave it to me, uh, the woman that you've gave to me, uh, to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it, and and that's that's really um, speaks to men. Don't like we'll do anything for a good snack every once in a while, isn't that true? Then the Lord God said to the woman, "What is this that you have done?" The woman said, "This is important. The serpent deceived me, and I ate it." God's original plan was never for us to feel shame or to be fearful, especially of Him. But the enemy and his schemes will use anything he can to get in. And mess things up. We all know that emotions are actually part of our life. And we understand this from a faith perspective now. But a lot of times what we don't know how to do is to stop emotions from running our life. We know that emotions are part of our life, but we have a hard time figuring out how to help emotions not run our life. So I want to look at three different perspectives from God, from the scriptures today, on how to help live an emotionally healthy life. And this is not, again, a three-step program. I don't have all the info. I'm definitely not a professional when it comes to this topic. But I believe that God has given us his word and can help us process these kinds of things. I know I'm not a professional, but I know that I'm a human being and I have emotions. And these things have been able to help me through my season, especially in the last few months. So the first thing, if we want to live an emotionally healthy life, I believe that we just need to become aware of our emotions. We need to become aware of your emotions. Now, I realize that men and women, our brains function differently. And I've learned that really easy when I uh, started dating Maddie and, and got married, is that we just don't always think the same. Our brains are different. But when we read about the statistic that men have a four-time higher rate of ending their own life than a woman does in our nation in Canada, I can't just justify the idea that men are not emotional people. How can that, How can those two things go in the same sentence? We might not express emotion in the same way. We, not, we might not react to certain things in the same way. We might not be triggered in the same way. But to say that I'm just not an emotional person, it can't be true. It can't be true. I don't believe that statistic. But I love that now our culture is beginning to shift. And this morning we're going to continue to shift with it to say we're going to have an open conversation. We're not looking for a specific reaction or a specific way to think or, 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 or say or express yourself but we want the conversation to be open for every person both male and female. It's so important. It's so important. Becoming aware of our emotions is, is just the first step. It's part of the first step of living an emotionally healthy life. But there's actually a flip side to becoming aware of these things and expressing them. It's good but there's actually a flip side and there's a wise way in an unwise way to do this. Proverbs twenty nine eleven says this. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quickly holds it back. When we're going through different seasons and we're carrying some heavy burdens and we're expressing some really painful uh, emotions out loud, that is normal. It is actually normal that when you go through a season that you have a different kind of emotional reaction on whether you think it's excessive or it's not enough or anywhere in between. It's normal for your body and your spirit, your flesh, to express how you feel on the inside. That's actually really normal, and it's okay. I was listening to a, a sermon by uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick uh, from Elevation Church. He was talking about um, this, this topic of mental health and emotions and, and how to deal with them and how to express them properly and all these different kinds of things. And he said this. Sometimes when we feel like expressing or complaining to make us feel better and we're just thinking, I'm just letting it out, we're actually just letting it in. We need to become aware of our emotions. We need to know that expressing how you feel is actually really healthy. It's really good for you. And in fact, it's incredibly normal. But when you open your gate, you're not just letting out stuff, you're possibly letting in some stuff. And here's the thing with the enemy, is he'll even use a good practice for you and screw it up. Because he doesn't care about how you feel. God cares about how you feel. And he wants to know how you feel. He wants you to be able to talk to him and express to him about those kinds of things. But I think where this happens is when we just end our sentences with, this is how I feel, this is who I am. Trust me. I understand, especially recently, so much easier said than done this morning. But there's such a power in our voice. There's such a power in our words. There's a power in our speech. When we begin just to express, you know, I, I just am, I've just been really sad all the time lately. I, just am, I, I am depression. I am anxiety. I am, I am just the feelings that I am. We're not just letting out our stress and our emotions. We're actually letting the enemy in. And he can mess that stuff up really quick. So what do we do with that? David, he was an emotional dude. It's because he was a worship leader. <laughs> he was an emotional guy. In Psalms 43, five, he writes this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He doesn't end there, though. He says, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This scripture, David is expressing his feelings About how he actually is. And to be honest, I don't even know if he believed what he's saying in that moment. I don't know if he believed that everything is just going to turn out okay. But he started to use the voice that God gave him. To overpower the voice of the enemy when it kind of creeps in your head. His conversation with himself didn't end with just how crappy he might have felt that day. God's actually given us a voice. Becoming aware of of our emotions is an important first step. I believe that a, a next step, which is is incredibly hard, but it's so important, is if we want to live an emotionally healthy life, we got to actually remember who we are. Romans twelve two says, "Do not be confirmed, conform. Sorry, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal." of your mind, the renewal of your mind. This is another moment where sometimes I read the Bible and I go, renewal of my mind. Don't be conformed to this world. Renew my mind. Just do this and do this and do this and everything will get better. And it sounds a lot easier said than done, amen? Like we can all definitely get in that boat and it would sink for sure. And this is because... We can go through a day and have 99 amazing things happen that create 99 amazing emotional responses and then we have one bad thing happen and it can ruin our entire day. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Like everything is going perfect. One little thing happens and it messes up our whole day. It's easier said than done. But remembering who we are is so important so I'm going to give you two really easy ways that every once in a while I do. I don't do it all the time. In fact, there's a lot of times I forget to do it, but the times that I do do it have been so life-giving to me. And I think they'd be life-giving to you. So we're going to get down and practical with how we can remember who we are. Some people have actually even told me, and maybe there's people here this morning that would think this practice is silly. Take a sticky note. And if, even if you don't know what to write, go on Google and say, what does the Bible say about who I am? Who does God think I am? If you need to get that practical, that's okay. God is not unimpressed with you because you had to Google something that you don't have memorized. You do it with everything else. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. If that's where you have to start, that's where you have to start. There's nothing wrong with that. Write down some scriptures on some sticky notes. Stick it on the mirror in your bathroom so that when you wake up in the morning and you're doing your daily routine, you can read these and look yourself in the eye and say, that is who I am. And even you might not believe it at first. But beginning to use the power in your own voice is so vital. It's so important. Another way, instead of listening to the top 20 radio songs or just to the news or to the sports that you already watched last night, just put on some worship tunes. Even if you don't like the song, even if you don't like the style, begin to sing and begin to hear and listen the truths about God and the truths about who you are. I dare you to even sing. And nobody, nobody's going to hear you. Everybody sees you, but nobody's going to hear you. You're like, oh, I just, I just feel really embarrassed. I'm like, they already see you when you're picking your nose when you're driving anyways. Like, everyone, you know what I'm talking about? Like, they already see you doing that. So singing is not going to be as embarrassing as picking your nose. But remembering who we are is so important. A great place to start, Galatians 5, talks about as we draw close and be in step with the Holy Spirit, that he will enable us to have more joy and more peace and more faithfulness. He will, he will have these fruits, in a sense, that grow out of us because we are continuing to put our trust in God. It's naturally what will happen. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, ah. Oh here's the point again in the sermon that I've heard every time. It's either a point or a sub-point of just read your Bible more. Here's what the Canadian Bible Engagement Study has done uh, through a study in Canada. Since 1996, there's been a dramatic decline in regular Bible reading, from 25% reading at least weekly to just 11, and weekly church attendance from 27 to 16. Specifically, only 5% of Canadians report reading the Bible daily Just 14% reading at least once a month, and weekly Bible reading is down by 60%. This is Christians. This is me and you right now. What's surprising and distressing is that most Christians either seldom or never read the Bible, a decline evident not only in the historic Protestant and Catholic churches, but among evangelicals too, which we would be under the belt of an evangelical church it was also surprising to discover the decline was even sharper among older people than youth. Weird. Weird. That's like an actual statistic and, and stat in Canada that, that's happened. I think sometimes why we don't put into our routine reading the Bible, reading the truths about who he is, revealing our faith, remembering who we are, is just because it might have been, it might have been presented in a way that didn't vibe with you. Like, maybe when you were young, people were just beating you over the head with the Bible. You just need to read this more. If you just read this more, all your problems will go away. That's not true. That's not true, or else it would have happened by now. But I believe that God has given us His Word, His love letter to us, to help us process through every season, through every single emotion. So maybe you have to start small. Maybe you need to Google. Maybe you need to put a sticky note on your, on your, on your uh, mirror. Maybe you need to just press play on the car on a worship tune. Get practical. God is not unimpressed with that. He's incredibly impressed. He's honored that you're willing to take even baby steps like that. And maybe for you, they don't even feel like baby steps. They're big steps. And that's okay. Get practical. Remembering who you are is so important. Having God's word part of your daily routine will help you live an emotionally healthy life last thing I want to talk about is that we need to process with people. Process with people. We've been created to live this life alongside each other. This this statement, it foresees any type of characteristic. Like if you're like me and you're on this side of the pendulum and you're just like incredibly like extroverted and you love staying up till wee hours in the night hanging out with friends and doing all that kind of stuff and it just builds you energy. Or if you're on this side of the pendulum and you just like your own space and you like doing your own thing or you're anywhere in between. It doesn't actually excuse the fact that we were created as beings to be emotionally connected to each other. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, Pastor Carlo, I don't even like people. Like, people, they just bug me. I don't like people. Okay. You know I'm not even, even going to argue that you have to like people, but your soul needs people. Like, your life actually needs people. You don't have to like them, but you need them. <laughs> Which kind of, <is>, that sucks. <laughs> so I don't know what to say exactly on that this morning. But I want, to, I want to emphasize that we need to process with people. It's so important. It's so important. Deep and meaningful relationships are a key component to living an emotionally healthy life. Truth is, if we didn't need people by us, if we didn't need to walk life with people, if we didn't have, if we didn't need to have people we can trust and confide in to express and process our emotional states in the seasons of our life that are really hard, if we didn't need any of that, we would be okay. And the stats I shared about suicide and all that other kind of stuff this morning would not exist. Amen? They wouldn't exist. If we need it, if we didn't need people, then we'd be okay. But stats are saying otherwise. When do we ever talk about this kind of stuff? When do we have room for this in our schedule with the people that we love, with the people that are close to us? It's scary doing that because it puts you in your most vulnerable state. Maybe not being butt naked like Adam and Eve, but it puts you in a vulnerable state. And sometimes the enemy will Will creep in and will say, "Yeah, don't do that because, because they might judge you. They might think of you differently after. You know, they're gonna have another opinion about you." Maybe you have taken this step and you you tried to process with people, and your worst fear came true and they did judge you, and they did say some awful things and they and they just said, "You just need to get over it. Like, just you know, just it's gonna work out. It's fine. Like, stop exaggerating." I know I've been on both sides of that. People have told me this all the time, and it's something that still reigns true, is that um, we're not going to bleed in front of sharks. So as much as it's incredibly important to find people to gather around your life that you can process with, that you can share your emotions and how you're really doing with, don't bleed in front of sharks. I'm going to add to that. Bleed in front of doctors, not sharks, Okay. Find some people you can actually really trust that really care about you. Maybe that's one, maybe that's two, maybe that's three. Get them in your circle. And even when learning how to process with people, some people just might let you down because we're all human and we all got our own flaws. And even in this own season of mine with my father passing away a couple months ago, there's people that I hold close that have been checking in on me you know, all the time. There's people that I hold just as close that have never asked me how I'm doing. And sometimes I lay awake at night and I say, why haven't they texted me? God, like how is this person, you know, somebody that I hold close? And they've just never even said, hey, how are you doing today? Like how are you actually doing? It's so tough. I get it from both. And to be in that state and asking those questions is actually an incredibly dangerous place to be. And I've been learning that the hard way. But what God has revealed to me in processing over this is that I can't put the expectation on somebody to know what to do. So a reason why they might not have asked how I'm doing is because they might not have the answer. They might not have the ability or the tools to to, to walk with me through those kinds of things. And for me to put my pressure on them to say, you know what, this is how I'm feeling. What should I do? It's not fair. It's not fair. But what I have realized is that I don't, I don't need somebody to tell me what to do. I don't need the answers. I don't, I don't need any of that kind of stuff. I just need somebody to say, how are you really doing today? Because we always go, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. How's your family? You know, it's good. How's it? It's good. Okay, how are you really doing? When was the last time you asked somebody close to you in your circles, how are you really doing today? It's an important question to ask. So this morning... I think we need to ask ourselves how we're really doing. And I'm not trying to stir up an emotion. I'm not trying to stir up just a moment of, you know, expressing this. But I believe it's an important conversation that we need to continue to have. We've started it this morning a little bit, but it, it goes further than, you know, an hour and a half on Sunday morning. I was just thinking about how to conclude this. I was wondering to myself, I wonder if people think like I've missed something here this morning, which I'm sure there's lots of other stuff we could talk about in the subject. But what about prayer? Like Pastor Carlo, like you didn't talk about prayer at all. Like what about, what about praying to God? Like that's pretty important. Like what about your prayer life? You know, if your prayer life sucks, probably your life sucks, right? Like you need to, you need to be praying more. And in this last season of my life, I've prayed and talked with God more than I ever have. And even about the things that have made me angry and that I'm upset with him about. And I've actually learned something amazing is that he's God and he can handle it. And he's not upset with me for expressing to him all the different emotions and things that I'm going going through. So prayer, I'm just gonna say is a given. If you're a Christian in the room this morning, talking to God is obviously a given on having an emotionally healthy life. And as I prayed, I said, God, how should I express this conversation. How should I? How should I try and craft a message together in thirty minutes or so, uh, being able to to share with this? How should I do that? In prayer, in conversation, this is what he said to me. He said, Carlo, you need to become aware of how you feel. You need to know that your emotions are, uh, the emotions are a part of you and you can't escape them. You can't just press them down until you feel like you're going to explode. You need to realize, Carlo, that it's okay to not be okay sometimes. You need to remember that your words have power, that you shouldn't just vocalize how you feel, but include how you could feel in the future, even if you don't believe it right away. You need to become aware of how you feel. Carlo, you need to remember who you are. Even though you will go through seasons of depression or anxiety or fear or sadness, you are not those feelings. You are my creation. Even if it seems silly, you need to do whatever it takes to get my word into your daily routine to remind yourself of the promises I have for you and who I say you are. And you need to process with people. Carlo even though you have all the respo- all the all the reasons on not to respond and all the reasons not to trust people again, you were designed for deep and meaningful relationship This is vital to living emotionally healthy don't bleed in front of sharks you've got to be wise and just remember that people have flaws just like you so don't expect them to know what to say but be your own expectation for another and ask them how are you really doing and if you're on the other side of this and you're like, oh, you know, somebody, is, somebody has confided in me and they're expressing how they feel to me and I just don't know what to say, you don't have to know what to say. You don't need an answer for them. You don't need to solve their problems and their issues. Just being able to listen, just being able to process with your friends and your family that might be going through different seasons, whether that was before, whether that is now, and it's probably going to be in the future. We learned from Ecclesiastes that we're gonna go through a lot of different seasons in this life. Pray for them. Pray for them. So this morning I'm gonna invite uh Aaron back up and we're going to uh we're gonna take a moment just to respond in worship. And uh Zach, if you want to come up too, that'd be awesome. We're gonna respond in worship and Usually at the end of my notes, I I have exactly what we want to do, and I didn't write anything down because I didn't know exactly what God wanted to do. And this is not just another typical thing of an altar call that we're supposed to do, but I believe that the conversation is a really good first step. An even better step is taking some action. So this morning, I think it would be really important for us to respond to God in this conversation, to actually say, Lord, would you reveal to me how I actually feel? Would you, would you help me take off the layers that I've stapled down that are covering things up and it just hurts on the inside? Would you help me this morning to remember who I actually am? Not the things the enemy has said and the schemes that I've fallen trap of. That have mixed it and messed it all up. And would you help put people in my life where I can actually express how I'm feeling and know that I'm not gonna be judged or thought of differently, but I will have a ear that will listen and that will help. But God, remind me that we're all just human beings. Maybe you fit into any of that, those categories and maybe you don't. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come up to the front. And uh, even if, if if we don't have enough, maybe uh, we can have Pastor Melissa, Grace, Pastor Charlie. That would be awesome too. There's a couple on this side, a couple on that side. And uh, as we invite the prayer team up this morning, I'm not even saying you need to spill your guts to these people. They're definitely not sharks, or else they wouldn't have those awesome lanyards. <laughs> but they want to pray with you. They want to pray with you. So I'm going to us, invite us to stand this morning. And just, just for a few moments, I just want you to take a moment between you and God to reflect on this conversation, to re- re- reflect on this talk today about how do I really feel, Lord? And maybe maybe everything is going amazing. Process those amazing things. They're just as important to talk about. They're just as important to remember. So wherever you feel like you're at today in your season, in the spectrum of life that's so crazy, let's take a moment to remind ourselves through praise of who God is and who he says we are. And then in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to come forward and uh, either myself or these lovely prayer ministers up here this morning. We just want to pray with you. We just want to pray with you, and then we're going to dismiss. So let's sing together. So we're going to conclude this morning. Ben, I'm going to ask that you just continue to lead us in worship. Our prayer team members are going to be up here at the front if you would like prayer. If not, you are dismissed. Thank you for being here with us this morning. We love you. You are amazing. Be blessed this morning and uh, continue in this process of healing and this process of, of learning to live an emotional, healthy life. Hopefully see you next Sunday. Pastor Chad will be back. Have an awesome afternoon. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. I hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.